This is a TBN UK podcast. In this series, you can hear some of the interviews from TBN Meets, where faith meets culture. Hear from Christian ministries, innovators, authors, artists, and creatives. Hi, TBN family, and welcome to TBN Meets. Today, we're joined by Mike Pilavachi and Andy Croft. They're senior pastors of the church and Christian summer festival, Soul Survivor. Now, Soul Survivor has been running since 1993, and after 27 events, this will be the festival's last summer. Now, Mike and Andy are here with us to share their story and reveal what's next. Welcome, Mike and Andy. Thank you. It's great to be with you. So as I just said, Soul Survivor has been going on for an incredibly long time and it's been incredibly successful in terms of Souls One, people coming to faith, all of those things and numbers. What was behind the decision to end it this summer at the festivals, that is, not the church, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, the church is carrying on and so are we. Um, In a nutshell, um, we we believe God spoke to us and that's the bottom line. And when God speaks, it makes it easy. Um, uh, there was a process by which God spoke to us. I'd been saying to the team for a little while, at some stage I need to step down because I'm now 61 and uh, 60 something leading a youth movement is a little bit crazy. And um, we were praying about who should take it over. I assumed that it would be Andy. Um, That was my assumption. Uh, But then it became clear to us, mainly to Andy actually, that that wasn't the right thing. And uh, he felt the Lord saying to him, no, and uh, um, that, he, that he and Beth were to, to be involved in leading the church. And do you want to say something about that? Yeah. Well, yeah, only that I, I, I went back to him a few times and said, are you sure, Lord? And, and he, I felt like he said to me really clearly towards the end, yes, I'm sure, and you need to not ask me the question again. And wow. he just underlined it in triplicate. So, so I went to Mike and said, I feel like the Lord said that we're to focus on the church and that's where our heart is anyway. So it's something I actually wanted to do. Um, Yeah, so then we started to ask the question, well, if it wasn't gonna be maybe me taking it on, who would it be? And then we we, we got advice to look around the world for the best youth leader to come and take it on. And then one by one, first Andy said to me, I want you to know that when you step back, I'm going to step back as well because I felt God say, we were to do it yeah. together, we were to work as a team. And then others, Ali, who also hosts with us, she said to me, I'm gonna step back when you step back because I felt God saying that I was called to serve with you and others on the team. And then it suddenly occurred to us, we've done it as family. Yeah. We've done it from the beginning as a bunch of friends. And suddenly for us all to step back and bring someone in from the outside with different values and all of that, it, it just didn't fit and it would be setting them up probably to fail. And then we started asking the question, Lord, are you saying where to stop? And at first I was saying, we can't stop. What's gonna happen to the kids? And then I remember the Lord spoke to me really clearly and he said, when did the kids become your responsibility? They're my responsibility, I'll look after the kids. And then it just became clear, we all felt the Lord was speaking to us. And then before we announced it, we had prophetic words Mm. from people all over the world who knew nothing Mm. that was to the effect of, we were to lay it down. And so it became really easy. And then we approached a couple of other organizations and other groups who we know love young people. Would you start a youth event when we stop? And they are starting. And so really we're gonna hand on the baton. And from the beginning, 
we always said that we hoped that one day the Lord would tell us to stop and we would because he never said, I'll build my soul survivor. Yeah. He only said, I'll build my church. And we've existed as a festival for a season to serve the church. And now it's time to hand on the baton. But we're not finishing. And in fact, I'll just say this, people have asked us a number of times, aren't you sad? Mm. What will you do? Aren't you grieving um, the, the loss of soul survivor? And the honest truth is, well, I hope we'll feel sad on the last day. I hope we'll feel sad because we love the kids. It's been yeah. an honor and a joy to do it. But the honest thing is not really because we really believe God has spoken. Mm. So what is there to feel sad about? And actually our identity has never been in Soul Survivor. It's been in Jesus. And last time I checked in with him, he's carrying on. Yeah. You know, he's not stopping. And <laughs> it's our relationship with him. And we know what he's called us to in the future. Mm. And that's so amazing because I think for so many people, if they have something that had been as big as what Soul Survivor, Soul Survivor has been for Christian culture in this country, um, all of those young people, most people would find it incredibly hard to lay it down. Like, even though they know, as God said, you know, like you say, you kind of go back a few times and be like, okay, God, are you sure? Because, like, this is how we fill our hearts out. So what were the reactions, besides sadness, was, what were some of the reactions that people had when you kind of said, no, this is what God is saying, like, God, lay it down? Do you know what? I think partly to our encouragement, a lot of people have, have reacted really warmly to, to it. And that again felt like a further confirmation that oh, the Holy Spirit's gone ahead of us. So we, we as a leadership team really felt like we discerned what God was saying and then we, had our, we went to our trustees about it and it seemed like it was unanimous. And then actually when we announced it, the majority of people have, have been incredibly warm. Mm. And a lot of people have said, you know, it's, it's, it's encouraging to see that you're seeking to be obedient and that you're stopping something that is, you know, pretty large and we see a lot of people come um, but we're, we're not, we're, you know, Christians, we're not always very good at stopping things. We're great at starting stuff, but sometimes we just keep hanging in there and hanging in there and hanging in there and way beyond maybe when we should. And so a lot of people were encouraged, I think, mm. by that. Because I think it's an absolutely incredible witness, can I say. Uh, I am very brave. And I know you're saying you heard from God who doesn't feel brave, but I can tell you as an outsider looking in, I think it's incredibly brave. And as you say, a great witness to people to really... God's voice is sure and it's always true. So mm. he's saying it like, let's do it. Mm. So as you mentioned there, you know there are other youth events beginning, but what do you think Soul Survivor's legacy will be? Because you can talk legacy now because the festivals are... <laughs> One of the things that has been an absolute joy to me in my last years is all the time I meet people who became Christians at Soul Survivor all the time. I had an email this morning from someone who wanted, in fact, I sent it on, yes. um, who became a Christian at Soul Survivor. Um, who, and I keep me, in fact, there's one story just from last summer that was just, did me in. Mm -hmm. um, we had an evening where a whole bunch of young people uh, gave their lives to Christ, came forward. We led them in the prayer of repentance. They gave their lives to Jesus. At the end, this older guy, he wasn't that old, but he was obviously not a teenager. He was hovering and he waited to talk to me and he said, I just want to thank you. I have just stood here and watched my 13-year-old boy mm. come forward and give his life to Jesus. I have been waiting years for him to be old enough to come. And it's a dream fulfilled watching my son come forward tonight and become a Christian. And then he said, and the reason 
it means so much to me is in, 19, um, in 1985, something like that, I was 13 years old and I came forward at this event mm -hmm. to give my life to Jesus. So I've watched my son do what I did all those years ago. When you hear stories like that, you can die happy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's, that's one of the things that just, I keep meeting them, we keep meeting them, and they come and say, I became a Christian. In fact, one of the, the, the leaders, the leader of one of the new festivals that's starting, said to me, he remembers where he was sitting at Soul Survivor in a main meeting when he felt God call him to get involved in being a youth leader mm. and the ministry mm. that he's now doing. And it's like, when you hear stories like that, it's wonderful. Yeah, and, and I think the legacy, what we'd love it to be, and I think what it will be, is, is what God's done in the lives of people who've been there. And, and that's why it's, it's not about keeping a conference going for the sake of it. But again, for me, one of the highlights every single year is we always make space for the Holy Spirit um, to, to, to meet with people. And we have the best view in the house because we just get to stand there and watch God at work. And year after year after year, I love just looking at the expression on the faces of some of these young people that have come forward to, um, to meet with God and they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And you just, you know that it's like, well, you know what, God's doing something here that's got eternal significance. And conferences come and go, but that is, that is what remains and that's what stays. So yeah. it's, it's what, it's, I think it's the deposit that God has, has left in people's lives is, is the legacy. So as you've led it over all of these years, you must have, one, seen so much change in culture, so much change in everything. Is there anything you would have done differently? Oh, gosh, lots of times. I mean, but you can't, you, you, you can't live with regret because no. always you would have said that. I think um, what things would we have done differently? Um, there were times, in, certainly in the early years, that I wasn't very careful about who would come and speak. And so we had some incidents where, um, where um, it was, we had to do repair work. Um, we had one speaker came and just talked. He, he was, I didn't realize, I found out after he wasn't in a good place. This is years ago. Talked for an hour and 10 minutes. Oh, no. And everyone was dying. I mean, it was, it was 13 year olds sitting on the floor. And we, I had to get up and say to him, and then we had someone else that was shouting at the kids and getting really angry and scaring them. And then you have to deal with that. So now we're a lot more careful mm. that it's people that love young people and don't see it as a platform for their ministry, but it's a way of serving. Um, I think other things that we would have done differently, I mean, there's so many things we've learned on the way mm. um, to, to host better, to involve, include the kids as much as we can, to create a sense of family. We've learned that as we've gone. Mm. Um, what else? I think uh, for me, a big one is, is learning to trust God with it all. Because I mm. came into it a lot, a lot later than Mike. And one of my big stresses over the years has been that I, I constantly, I know, I know the theory that God's in charge, <laughs> but like the reality of it, yeah. when you're sort of, um, oh my word, it starts tomorrow and we, we haven't got anything. And you know, I can remember times with Mike where I would be so stressed, I would literally be in tears and he would be like, come on mate, it's all right, God's bigger and it's not the end of the world. And, and so, and so that, that's been a big lesson. And even now, as we look forward to the final summer, you know, I'm just having to remind myself again of the faithfulness of God. 
and the fact that you do your bit and then he turns up and his bit is the, the mm. bit that matters anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is so true, isn't it? Sometimes in the, in the middle of it, though, it doesn't really feel no. slightly more stressful. So how did Soul Survivor start in the very beginning? Um, it, it was never a, a, a grand plan, not from our end. Mm. Um, I, I arrived at this church called St Andrew's Chorleywood because I heard that they prayed for people and people got healed. and. I was pretty broken and I just knew I needed God to meet with me and heal me. And to my amazement, the leaders of the church took me in, loved me, cared for me. And then they asked me if I'd give up my job and be the youth pastor of the church, the youth worker. I did that. Um, the youth group, by the grace of God, was flourishing. Um, I got invited to speak at other youth groups. Um, then we started as a church. Um, new Wine, and because I was the youth leader at St Andrews, I got to do the youth work at New Wine. There was a kid in my youth group from when he was 13 called Matt Redman. Wow. Um, <laughs> he learned to play guitar. We got him to start leading worship, um, and he started leading worship at New Wine Youth with me. And then, um, and then I just felt the Lord saying, and I had a burden to start a church for unchurched young people, mm. and at the same time, um, we were getting invitations to speak at different youth groups and we just thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to have something like New Wine, but also a bit like Green Belt, a bit like Spring Harvest, that was just for young people. And I went to my boss, the vicar of the church, David Pitches, who'd given me the opportunity in the first place. I said, I've got these two dreams, to plant a church for unchurched young people and to start a festival that that is open about Jesus, about the ministry of the Spirit, where we preach the gospel, but where non-Christians can feel at home. And I said, what do you think? And he said, sounds crazy to me, <laughs> sounds ridiculous. But then he paused and he said, but it sounds like it might be God. Okay, you can have a go. And we started both. And I remember Matt was in his first year at um, university and I went down to see him. I told him I was planting a church. He came back the next weekend and said, I'm leaving university after one year and I'm going to help you plant the church. I said, no, you're not. You need an education. We had an argument. I lost. Wow. And he came and planted. The, the, when we planted the church, there was 11 of us. And our first festival that started um, in eight, um, 1993, there was 1,896 young people showed up. Wow. To this day, I don't know where they all came from. It was a shock. And from the beginning, we did so many things wrong. I, when I look back, if I, if, I rem, if I look back on everything we did, it would be embarrassing. <laughs> but God was there yeah. and Jesus met with people and we were amazed. The following year, it was 4,000 came, then 6,000, then 8,000, then 10, then 13. And it, it just grew. And we were just trying to follow the Lord's lead. And it was... On your human level, it was a bit by accident, but actually the Lord was going ahead of us. And so many times over the journey with the church and the festival and everything else, we haven't known quite what we were doing, but we think you're in this, Lord. We'll go for it. And then when we look back, it's like, oh, my goodness, how did you do that, Lord? Mm. How We had no idea. And that's, that's where it's been an adventure. And you've spoken a bit about family and, and how what a big part 
family is played in kind of even starting and the ending of the festivals. How do you model that in your church? Well, we we start by um, by being a family as a as a as a leadership group. So you know, I love the the way that the early church spoke about each other. They call one another brothers and sisters. And as, as you start to look at some of the language that that, for example, Paul uses to talk about Timothy, my dear son, and um, you know the way that Paul and Barnabas had this great friendship and they encouraged one another, it's very much a language of family rather than employees and colleagues. And so. We, we, it starts, I think, with there being a, a, a group of people dedicated to Jesus and dedicated to one another that we would, we would lay our lives down for him and lay our lives down for each other. And that's your core. And then, um, and then from there, I think you, you, set, you set a tone for this is who we want to be. And it's being a family, and this is part of the challenge of it, that, that invites others in. And that is, is welcoming, a place where, you know, Mike has said many times when I've heard him speak, when people turn up at a church, they're not asking, firstly, what is your doctrine of the resurrection? Although that is important, what, what they're asking is, can I belong here? Can I find home here? Mm -hmm. And particularly these days where probably one of the main challenges, certainly in the Western world, is loneliness. Yeah. People are looking for a place that mm. can be home. And the two of us, the truth is, we take the mick out of each other quite a lot. I mean, I've been witness to this banter. <laughs> <laughs> but, but actually, we are the best of friends, you know? And, and Mike... You know, we're in touch every single day. He's feeding my kids chocolate when I'm not looking. <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, stop them from eating. Stop the them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like we we are we do it as as friends, and it's such a joy to us. It's such a blessing for us to be able to do it that way. Um, but but I think it has to start with that: the leadership, loving one another. And I mean that's so true. Our biggest argument these days is about chocolate for his kids. <laughs> and uh, and we, both feel, we both feel very strongly <laughs> on the matter. Um, but you know, I mean, Andy, um, 14, 15 years ago, um, I bumped into him in a queue um, up in the north of England. And I, I felt the Lord say to me then um, that maybe I was to have something to do with his life. And who would have known? He came and he spent a year being my, my intern and now we lead everything together. Yeah. And there's areas where, huge areas, where he's streets ahead of me, and I love it. And the truth is, we both rejoice in each other's successes, and we're for each other. And it's not just us, it's, mm. you know, I'm as close to his wife Beth as I am mm. to him. And there's others in, in our team that we love, that we adore, that we've been serving with for years, and there's a commitment to one another. And what happens is the whole church sees that yeah. and the whole church knows that. And that gives the church a security yeah. and it sets the culture, it sets the tone. Now we never thought, you know what, we want to set a culture of love, so we better make out that we're friends. Yeah. It's, it's, it's happened naturally. And mm -hmm. so we now have the joy of serving together with others, the most loving, kind, mm. gentle, humble, generous church we could ever wish to see. It's, it's, a, it's a wonder and a joy. And the Lord has done it, but he's done it because, not because we first of all taught it, but because he did it first with us as a team. Mm. And then that overflowed. Yeah. 
And you have quite a diverse church from what you told me earlier. Yeah. How important is that to you? Because that's like super kingdom to me. Oh, it's it's absolutely wonderful. I've said I've said to them, it's particularly in the morning service. I love it. You know, when we first started, I think I was probably the only face that didn't look ill, you know, <laughs> that didn't look so, so horribly pasty white <laughs> that it was, you know, I was, I was about the only one. And now we have such a, a diversity of ethnicities, of national backgrounds. We have folk and from Nigeria, from Ghana, uh, from the Caribbean. From we Brazil. Have Brazil. We have a whole bunch of Brazilians now. We have from, from China. Uh, from Malaysia, from Singapore, Indian folk, um, and a whole load of other nationalities, East Europeans. And it's, it's so multicultural, multi-ethnic. And I love it because it reflects the diversity of the body of Christ. And what brings us all together is Jesus. Well, actually, that's not completely true. <laughs> There's two things that bring us together. <laughs> One is Jesus, and if I'm to be really honest, the other is food. Listen, we do food. I'm not sure which one he thinks is more important. But can I say also on it? It's it's we just had our we just had a newcomer meal. We do we do have I mean food every every, every all the other time. Day. I think I'm going to come but visit. We uh, we just had it. We just had a newcomer meal, and uh, just for people who've joined our church in the last few months, on on Thursday night and just the other week, and and I turned up, and it was just such a such a I was so excited. I was tired when I arrived, and you know, but just just being there energized me because there was there was a couple of people that aren't even in our church. This is a this is a meal for people who've joined our church. They're not even Christians, but they've been invited by people who've started to come along wow. to some other things that we've been doing. And just in the last four weeks, they started to come along to a church service, and they're all from a community in in our town that are really facing challenges, mm. real adversity. And, and then we had um, a couple there who'd become Christians in the last couple of months and they were just about to get baptised and they were just, they're really new to it all but they're so excited by it and they've met Jesus and he's turned their lives around. And then we had some other people that have moved into the area but felt like Lord, the Lord called them to the church. And it was just this, for me, it was just like, this is such a joy. It's like we've got such a spectrum from people who've been involved in church leadership for years to people who aren't even yet followers of Jesus coming to a newbie meal for, for our church. And I just thought, this is, what, this is what it's meant to be like. It's messy, it's a bit chaotic, but it's joyful and there's, there's such life. Mm. And so it sounds like, to me, you guys are actually so excited about what you think God might do next. It sounds like it just still feels so rich and full. What do you think is next? And do you, and who knows what God's got next? So what do you think might yeah. be coming up? We really are excited and do you know, um, one of the words, there was um, a lady in New Zealand um, who uh, came to me before we announced um, um, about the ending of the festivals. And she said, the Lord's spoken to me. Uh, you're like a trapeze artist. Mm. I mean, that's just ridiculous <laughs> to start with. Uh, but she said, you're like a trapeze artist. And the Lord is saying, he's calling you to let go of the trapeze you're holding. Mm and you will be able to catch the next one, but you've got to let go of this one first. And you know, I knew exactly, she didn't know what she was saying, but I knew, and we've had so many words like that. And what has happened since we made the announcement, even as we're preparing to do our last festival, is God has opened the doors and given us favor already mm. in ways I could never have imagined 
for the next phase. And we want to spend as long as the Lord wants us to encouraging the local church. Mm. We believe in local church of every variety. We want to do it in friendship. We don't want to start a new movement, a new network. There's loads of those. But we want to encourage local churches mm. to grow church on family principles rather than business principles because family is what the Bible teaches. Mm. Family is what Jesus modeled. And also to do naturally supernatural ministry mm. in the context of local church. These days, lots of churches believe in the ministry and the power of the Spirit. Not many actually move in those things mm. in the context of local church. And we believe naturally supernatural ministry will draw, draws non-believers, strengthens believers, causes people as they encounter the Spirit of God, they're brought together, they are healed, their hearts are set free. And when God speaks words supernaturally into people's hearts that they know could only have been him, it changes them, yeah. it melts them, and they grow in their love for him. And we want to devote the whole next season in every way to encouraging local churches to do that. And that is amazing. Now our viewers love to pray. So if they could pray for you for this new season and also for the final Soul Survivor, what would you both ask them to? How would you ask them to pray into that? For the final Soul Survivor, I think my prayer has, has just been that God's kingdom will come and his will will be done. And, uh, and so to pray for that and to pray for people to come to faith uh, every year, that's, that's the highlight of the year, uh, is seeing people come to faith. And then I think for us personally, as we move into the new season for, for wisdom, um, we really need wisdom to hear the Lord and, and also for courage to step out in what he's calling us to. I, I, I would agree, really. They're, they're the two things. I don't have anything to add. I, I think, yeah, yeah, we just want to be obedient. We just want to be obedient um, in the hidden places and in the public places. The pay's the same. We just want to be obedient. And I mean it. It sounds very Christianese. But we want to please him. Yeah. We want to honor him. We want to bring glory to him. We don't want to mess it up. And uh, we just long to see his kingdom come. Well, we will be praying for you in that. And just before we go, finally, what's your top tip for the new youth ministries that are going to kind of come, not take the place of, but be in this space? If you had one top tip for them, what would it be? Mine would be stick close to Jesus. Mm. Um, you know, listen to his voice, obey him trust him and let him do the heavy lifting when it comes to bringing people to himself. Yeah. And I was going to say the same thing. So I will say what Andy said, <laughs> stick close to Jesus, but also don't take yourselves too seriously. Mm. Take him seriously. You know what? We have fun on the way. Be community, model community. Love him and love the kids. Yeah. Don't ever get to the place where the kids are marketing tools for you. Love the kids. If you love them, God will do wonderful things. And if you put them first, and they will be the things. Mm. Thank you both so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Thank, Thank you. you. At TBN UK, we want the gospel to be in as many homes in this country as possible. Will you pray with us that we continue to work with the vision that God has given? That's one way of partnering with TBN UK. Or you can tell someone about this podcast, our 24-7 programming on Freeview Channel 65 or Sky Channel 582. You can follow us on social media or give. 
It costs £15 a minute to spread the gospel via TV. For more information on how to join us in sharing the love of Jesus through media, go to tvnuk.org. Thank you for listening.